welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation, so we can grow in our relationship with God. Acts chapter 4, beginning with verse 13. Last time we finished in verse 12, which says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. One of the greatest verses in the scriptures, right? One of the tremendous uh, verses in scripture. There's no other name under heaven by which man, woman, teenager, boy, girl can be saved. God makes it so clear, so evident throughout Genesis to Revelation. In verse 13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Back in Acts chapter 2, Everybody was marveling too, saying to one another, look, aren't all these guys just Galileans? How are they speaking in a language that the whole world can hear? Well, as we know, it was the Holy Spirit. The power of God came upon them and God birthed the church. The church that you and I are a part of in what we believe are the last days. But here were the first days. Jesus, throughout his ministry with his apostles and disciples, when he called them, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Seems like a very simple statement. But he was equipping them. He was learning them. He was teaching them. And he's doing the same thing to you and I today. We're his disciples. We're following him. He's teaching us. We're learning from him through the power of his Holy Spirit. And isn't it amazing in this verse 13 that all of a sudden there's boldness with Peter and John where before they were hiding out. And even the non-believers, even the priests, the Pharisees, they were perceiving that these were just uneducated and untrained men. They didn't go to Jerusalem University. They didn't have their doctorate. But there's one thing that differentiated them from everyone else. And it says, and they realized they had been with Jesus. Isn't that something you hope people say about you and me? There's something different about you. There's something different about that girl or that guy. Boy, they've been with Jesus. What is it about this Jesus that has changed you? Why are you? I remember how you were. What's happened? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Jesus says that uh, he thanked his father in heaven 
that he had hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and had revealed them to babes. Just men and women who just loved him. They weren't any special status in society. God, as we know, has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, to put to shame the things which are mighty. Isn't that wild? Think of it. Think of you. Think of me. Think of our education in the scriptures. How did it really come about? Through the power of God, right? Given us this desire to read his word, to get into his word, to speak to him. I remember just one year going verse by verse through the scriptures, surpassed 28 years previously in a, a church that really didn't teach the scriptures. One year of just going verse by verse through the scriptures, surpassed 28 years of being religious. There's no better teacher. There's no better educator than Jesus Christ himself. Amen. He's the only one that teaches us. He's the master teacher. In um, John chapter 7. I don't know if we're having a little problem up here. Are we okay, guys, with the PowerPoint? Okay. It's running, but it's like partial stuff showing up here. Okay, well, I'll just go. Okay. So we're looking at, um, if you want to turn to it or you can just listen, it's John chapter 7, verses 14 to 18. Now, about the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, how does this man know letters, having never studied? And Jesus answered them and said, my doctrine is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true. And no unrighteousness is in him. Isn't that wild in verse 15 where the Jews marveled saying about Jesus, how does this man know letters having never studied? Basically saying, how does this man know the word? He doesn't have any formal education that we know of. But isn't Jesus the best? He is the word of God. He wrote the very words that he's spouting and that these men have read. And here they are right before the word of God. They're sitting with the word of God, but they do not recognize him. Back to the main text tonight, verse 14. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Now, if you weren't with us last time, 
This was the hour of prayer when Peter and John were going into the temple to pray. And there was a lame man on the steps who was 40 years old. He had been there most of his life. People helped bring him there, and he was asking for money or food. That's how he got by. But Peter, moved by the Holy Spirit, said, Silver and gold, I can't give you. But what I do is, in the name of Jesus, stand and walk. And he healed the man. And it just freaked everybody out. Everybody was, like, running around, coming over to see what happened. So this is what they're referring to here. So the man was there. You couldn't deny it. He was right there. The same guy that was lame for 40 years was standing right there. You had to deal with this. You had to deal with whether you were religious or not. This man was a cripple and now he has been healed. So again, this really stressed out the religious leaders. And in verse 15, it says, But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem. Isn't it crazy that religious people, instead of just giving credit where it's due, have ulterior motives, and now they have to figure a way to stop a move of God. That alone tells you where they are. How do you stop a move of God? Wouldn't it be much of a God if you could stop his move, right? Wouldn't it be much of a God? Continuing in that verse, verse 16 And we can't deny it, but so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. Now, what's interesting about these few verses is you have to remember they sent everybody out. They sent Peter and John out. And they went in to the secret chambers. So how do we know today what they were talking about? Well, you have to remember that a lot of the priests came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ during this time and in the days ahead. And we talked about this last time. It's a great possibility that Nicodemus, Joseph of Arimathea, were in uh, Paul, Saul, who became Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament. They could have been right in this meeting. They were listening. Paul, most likely, was trying to be part of the brains to stop this name of Jesus going any further. Isn't that amazing? And then Luke, we know, had firsthand knowledge and firsthand reporting with those three guys that I just mentioned. Paul, Joseph of Arimathea, okay, and Nicodemus. So they talked, and Luke wrote it down. <laughs> 
Isn't that amazing? That even something that they were trying to do in secret, God wants us to know what's taking place. That's pretty awesome. Uh, In John chapter 11, starting with verse 45, it says that many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did believed in him. But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things they did. They had tracers back then, right? Rats. (laughs) People that would go tell the authorities so they could look good in their eyes. So some of the people believed some of the things that were happening. They put their faith in Jesus. But others went to the religious leaders and told them the things that Jesus did. Then the chief priest and the Pharisees gathered a council and said, What shall we do? For this man works many signs. If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and nation. So nothing's changed in all the hundreds of years where the prophets were stoned by religious leaders, by governing authorities. And it tells you right here in John eleven forty eight, they'll take away our place and our nation. They weren't concerned with the truth, right? They weren't looking for the truth. Here, the God himself was in their midst and they crucified him. And then here's his followers in the name of Jesus. They're doing miracles. They don't want to see this. They want to be in their temple. They want to get all the glory. They don't want to give it to God. On the surface, they look religious, right? But inside, they were dead men tombs, right? They were rotten inside. In John 15, starting with verse 18, it says, if the world hates you, This is Jesus speaking. You know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I have not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen, and they also hated both me and my father. But this happened, that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. So here's Jesus, was with the apostles, told them all these things. Now Jesus has ascended into heaven The apostles are here, and now the new church is facing persecution. Jesus, the teacher, the mentor, right? 
is still teaching today through the power of his Holy Spirit. He's teaching you and me. What's coming down the pike for us? Right? They say there's going to be persecution. Okay. The Holy Spirit in you will give you the words to say, the scripture says, when you're confronted. How comforting is that? How cool is it to be counted worthy, to be persecuted like the men of old and the women of old? We are still in the church age. God is not through with the church. He's still doing a great work in the church. He's doing it through you. He's doing it through me. We're part of that whole history of the church that we're reading back about back here in the Acts of the Apostles. So in verse 18, we saw that they commanded them and and said not to speak at all anymore or teach in the name of Jesus. And then in verse 19, but Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Where are you and I in our relationship with Christ? What have we seen and what have we heard? What have we experienced in our education with Jesus Christ? His preparation for you and me is constant. It's for the next event. It's for the next person who comes in our path. It's for the next trial. It's for the next tribulation. It's for the next time we have to deal with sin in our lives. He's always working. He never stops. And understand there's an enemy of your souls who never stops. He never sleeps. Always trying to take you out. Always trying to take you down. That song, uh, one of the um, phrases, the breath. Jesus in every breath. May that be so right in our lives, brothers and sisters, that every breath we take is full of Jesus Christ. In eternity it will be. And I believe that today Jesus is still always trying to prepare every breath we take to be one of glory to him. And I was sick for a couple weeks, and I'll tell you, every breath I took was precious. It was pretty awesome to just be there with my breath in Jesus Christ. Huh. Whoa. Never did that before. Never went to that part of the boot camp. It was awesome. Every breath. Your hearing right now. Your thinking right now. You're you're visualizing or uh, understanding and trying to understand. That's a very, that's a gift that God has given you and me. Isn't that amazing? And how we take that for granted, right? Paul said, 
that if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. If I don't pray for people, woe is me. If I don't give a cup of cold water or a hot cup of tea on a cold day to someone, woe is me. The love of Christ, right, should compel us to touch other lives for him. While we're here, the fleeting time we have to touch other lives for Christ. In the next chapter of Acts, chapter 5, a couple of verses, verses 27 to 29, it says, And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. We ought to obey God rather than men. But yet even the religious leaders, right? They were moved by Rome. They were moved by the opinion of people. God's opinion didn't matter to them. Right? Their brain put into effect how they looked at God. Rather than looking at God's word to see how their brain should be thinking. They were looking at it all wrong. All backwards. Also says, let your light so shine before men so that they see your good works and they glorify your father in heaven. That even the Pharisees knew when they saw the lame guy standing there, there was a miracle that happened here. Something took place here that we've never seen this before. But some of them did, you know, just a few weeks earlier, a few years. They knew that Jesus was raising the dead, healing the blind, healing the crippled. But yet, what denial, huh? What hard hearts that they wanted their cushy positions rather than fall at the feet of Jesus. But the good news, the good news is, there were many priests that came to him. Because it didn't stop Jesus from doing his father's work. It didn't stop Peter and John and the apostles and the disciples from doing their work because they saw the bigger picture. They saw the resurrected Christ. Nothing could stop them now. Nothing can stop you or me now. Nothing. We're eternal beings that are temporarily here to impact this world for Jesus Christ. Amen, right? That's what we're here for. That's the only reason. There's no other reason but to touch a life for Jesus Christ. Verse 21, so when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people. 
since they all glorified God for what had been done. See, they wanted to be religiously, politically correct at the moment. They will wait for an opportune time to take these guys down. But not today. The people were glorifying God. And who are we, the religious leaders, to put a stop on them worshiping God? But what whitewashed sepulchers inside? We get a picture of the heart of man here. What had been done for verse 22, for the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. Verse 23, and being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priest and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea, and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David has said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. Wow. These guys were persecuted. And where did they go when they were let go? They went to their friends. They went to their brothers and sisters in Christ. Where do you go when hard times come? Where do you go when you're persecuted? I go to my wife, I go to my pastor friends, I go to some of my brothers right here in this church, just like these guys went. And then notice what happened in 24. They praised God in one accord. As a unit, they praised God. And notice what they said, Lord, you're God who made the heavens and the earth, the sea, the, all that's in them. And then notice, they go to Psalm 2. Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. They're doing that today. They're doing that today. The government is coming against the people of God. There's a big word that's been used over the past few years, that tolerance. But when it's applied to Jesus Christ, do you see what it does? It eliminates all other belief systems. It makes you look intolerant as a believer in Jesus. But like Peter and John, like Jesus himself, we love people. We pray for people. We model Christ. We set that example. But at the same time, we know that the world system is corrupt and it's getting darker and darker. But we're the lights 
who are to shine in that dark world, to make a difference in individual lives that we come across. Verses 27 to 30, For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Notice that all the glory, all the, all the attention is pointed to Jesus Christ by the apostles. And notice the prayer. And it's a prayer I have for myself and for all of you that we just become bolder in Jesus Christ. In talking about Jesus. In lifting people up. In, in being given opportunities to glorify Jesus. To just point everybody towards him. In Philippians chapter 1. Beginning with verse 12. This is Paul writing to the Philippians. And he's in jail writing this letter. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife. And some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. But with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain." But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit for my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Remember, Paul, just like we're seeing here in Acts, is a time of persecution going on. And in this time of persecution, God is being given the glory and people are coming to Christ through the persecution. 
through this time that even in prison, when guys were saying things against Paul to make it harder for him in prison, he was giving glory to God because the name of Christ was being spoken outside the prison walls. May we get to that point in our lives that for us to live is Christ. To die is gain. That everything we do is Jesus Christ. Everything we do is Jesus Christ. And then one day, when we leave here, when he's through with us, you see, if you're hearing this, if you're seeing me and I'm seeing you, God is not through with you as an individual person. Can you handle that? Can you? Young people, can you handle that? Older people, can you handle that? Please understand. Age is no obstacle here. The Holy Spirit of God in you wants to do a mighty work in you or else he'd take you home. It'd be done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. But until that day is your heart's desire to glorify the Lord with every breath. I hope so. I hope that's all of our desires. Verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God in meekness. No, in boldness. When they had prayed, isn't this something? How many times are we shaken in our lives and then we pray, right? Most of the time, we're shaken up, then we pray. Notice here, they prayed. And then there was a whole lot of shaking going on. May we be changed in our thinking that we will pray that God will put into our path things that are shaken so that we can bring Jesus Christ into it through the power of his Holy Spirit that we're relying on, right? That we're having anointing to come upon us in that situation that we can bless the people in that situation. And notice again, We've heard it a couple times. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. May we all be men and women, boys and girls and teenagers that have a Holy Spirit boldness put there by God himself. Verse 32. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. You see, there was such a love going on. And remember, the people had come from all over the world. Remember, it was the Feast of Pentecost. They had come from all over the world. Different languages, different dialects. But they were here. And they couldn't get on a plane and go home and bring stuff back. So some of them were staying in Jerusalem for extended periods of time. And the believers got together and made everybody comfortable. Everybody was their brother and sister. Verse 33. 
And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. And they distributed to each as anyone had need. Just a tremendous love was going on among the body of Christ. In um, Acts, back in Acts chapter 1, it says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Remember, a lot of the end of the earth was right there in Jerusalem. And some of them were going to leave, right, and go back. And they were witnesses to the stuff that was going on. So now they were going to bring a firsthand report to the people that God was touching in their part of the world. Just like you do. Just like I do. It hasn't stopped yet. God's plan is the same. In uh, Luke 24, verse 45 it says then, open he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. So here they are, experiencing what Jesus had said. Now not only are they empowered by the Holy Spirit, but they're seeing the impact, the effect on the people in their lives. Whether it be all the nations hearing them in their own dialect, or the lame man. Ten to 20,000 people in these next few chapters. I think there's about 10,000 already that have come to put their faith in Jesus Christ. Because what has happened already? Verse 36. And Joseph, or Hoses was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated the son of encouragement. A Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. One of the interesting things here, we know of Barnabas later on in some of the missionary journeys with Paul. But one of the things here, notice that he was a Levite of the country of Cyprus. And it also says here, having land. And Levites weren't really supposed to have land, if you think about the Levit- Levitical priesthood. You know, but that was under the law. But look what's happening here love supersedes the law. God has moved even on Barnabas' heart, this Levite, that he now just gives the land just lays it at the apostles' feet to be used as the Lord wills it. I'm going to stop there rather than get into chapter 5.
But tonight, I think one of the things that I pray for is for a greater boldness in God's Holy Spirit through the leading of his spirit. Uh, Pray for opportunities, right, to touch a life. You know, just Sunday we saw a healing, you know. Did you know that? We saw a a spiritual healing. A man who was blind and crippled came forward right here to receive the Lord. A miracle. If you were here, you witnessed a miracle. I'm looking at miracles. If If you're here today or you're home listening and you've never come to know this Jesus. This resurrected Christ is after you. He loves you so much. He just wants you to be his son or his daughter. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m., And Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org, where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.